We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. The Oracle Network. Podcast, a weekly podcast where we rotate between true crime, conspiracy theories, paranormal stories, folklore, and a little bit of this and a little bit of that to provide what most people, including your science teacher from the sixth grade, would consider a weird distraction from everyday life. I'm one of your hosts, Alex, and as always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Christy. And this week we are back talking true crime, but before we dive into the case itself, we've got some hard-hitting questions to ask one another. Oh. Yes. Uh, surprise. No, not. Not really. It's been 96 <laughs> episodes. If it was a surprise, I think that'd be concerning. Unless you're just joining us, which is great. Yeah. Hello. Welcome. So now we're going to ask the questions. Let's get into it. Christy, what is your need for a distraction this week? My need for a distraction is the never-ending panorama. Ah, yes. I'm happy things are opening slightly today in Ontario, which yes. is nice. Yes. Um, we can maybe go eat somewhere once in a while. Yeah, that's fun. Um, but uh, I just... Constantly getting called in work for sick calls because everyone's got COVID. Potentially. Yeah, and yes. I was like, I can't work anymore. Yeah. I can only imagine like how exhausting that is. Yeah. It's like never ending phone calls. It's like, can you pick up today? Can you come in today? Yeah. And not to drag on the COVID conversation because I'm sure a lot of people might be tuning in to avoid the COVID conversation. Which my bad. Sorry. No, it's, fuck. It's our show. Whatever. Um, <laughs> but with the whole Omicron variant and God knows what other variant is out there by the time this episode comes out, <laughs> you know, know. It, it's, it's everyone's getting it. So yeah, that's, that's a fair need for a distraction yeah and it's the children it's like i'm very thankful that i don't have to deal with that because i cannot manage that stress oh, being a yeah. parent and having kids and worrying about that it's but yeah because uh that's that's hella stressful that's very hella you're like stressful. well i'm fine but i gotta stay home with my kid yeah shout out to the parents out there y'all yes. are doing the lord's work doing the most and that we uh praise you we praise you we appreciate you and we see you we hope you have a wonderful day Yes. And but, Alex. Oh, I was going to say, take care. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> End of the show. And Alex, what is your distraction this week? Oh, uh, my need for distraction is I'm struggling mentally. Well, it's it's not, it's weird because with, when it comes to depression and anxiety, I feel like there are days where I'm just thriving and I'm doing great. Mm-hmm. And then there's other days where it's like, I would rather just lay in bed for 12 hours and not talk to anybody. I love those days. I know. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> That's the problem. So my need for distraction is the decline in my own mental health, but alas, don't fret because your girl's taking care of it. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of helping. Well, it is helping. This is like... This is the whole reason we started. Basically, yeah. Basically. Because it's cheaper than therapy. But seriously. But seriously. <laughs> All and right. Actual therapy and shopping therapy. Yeah, and, and retail therapy. Because your girl needs to slow down on that. Yes. ASAP. You're a shopaholic. I am. Yes. Self-identified. Anyways. <laughs> I think it's time that we move into this week's discussion, or distraction, I guess I should say. Shall we? All right, so what better way to kick off February, the month of love, than to discuss a Canadian true crime case with the word massacre in it? (laughs) 
Yeah, you like that? I do. Mm, great, because it's about to get real shitty for the rest of the episode. <laughs> Love it. So this week we'll be chatting about the Belcher Island Massacre, one that I never really heard of in depth and figured it was weird and wild enough to chat about on the show. And I think we, I said this recently when we were doing our Patreon episode actually for this month of February, which is a good one, might I add. If you join at either the $2 tier or the $5 tier, which is in USD, by the way, you can have access to that monthly bonus episode. But alas, I like covering cases I haven't heard of because then I feel as if I'm learning something. And there's a small chance that if I've never heard of it, Christy probably hasn't heard of it. 100% guarantee. Yeah. <laughs> and then if Christy hasn't heard of it, maybe somebody else hasn't heard of it. Yes. Right? So we're all learning together. This is a, a safe space to learn some weird shit. Love it. Love it. Anyways, I'm going to provide a trigger warning for the entirety of the episode just due to some graphic and unsettling themes such as animal and human murders, religious tie-ins, and other topics that some may find difficult to listen to. So listener discretion is advised and with that kind of disgust and out of the way, let's get into a brief history of the island because I don't know, Christy, have you ever heard of Belcher Islands before? No, I'm not. Well, that's fair because neither had I until today. <laughs> until Well, actually until the research, but I would say let's visit, but uh, if it's a massacre, I don't know about that. Yeah, well, I don't really know if you can visit, but we'll, oh, okay. maybe we'll, we'll look into that off air. Okay. Okay. So we'll discuss the information about Belcher Islands and then we'll discuss the true crime relation that it has. How does that sound? Fabulous. All right, let's get into it. Please. According to good old Wikipedia, yes, I use Wikipedia this week, please don't at me. <laughs> Belcher Islands are a group of islands in the southeast part of Hudson's Bay. The Belcher Islands are spread out over 3,000 kilometers and consists of 1,500 islands in total, being divided by straits of salt water. Administratively, which that's a big word, they belong to the Kikiktaluk region of the territory of Nunavut, Canada. Also, I should preface, I had to use a lot of jolly phonics for this episode. I mean, no disrespect if I mispronounce anything. There's a lot of indigenous names and words. Absolutely no disrespect, but I am as white as Wonder Bread and wasn't, trying. and try, I'm trying so hard and wasn't uh, educated properly on some of these things on how to say them in school. So we apologize right now. Thanks, Ontario education system. Anyways, <laughs> uh, so the islands were reportedly first gazed upon by the English navigator Henry Hudson in 1610 and named for Sir Edward Belcher, who was an explorer in the late 1700s and 1800s. In 2011, the Belcher Islands had a population of just over 800 residents, which 800 people over a span of 1500 islands, not very populated. No. Yes, not, not at all. From what I gathered, it's primarily Inuit folks that reside across the islands, which for those that are unaware, the Inuit are a group of indigenous people. Yes. Given its distance from the rest of the country's mainlands, the reported most common food source is gathered via hunting. Animals such as seals, walruses, foxes, birds, fish, and whales are the most common to be hunted. People living on the islands would reportedly travel to Quebec to partake in trading, which Quebec is reportedly up to 130 kilometers away from the islands, depending on where you leave from. So it's a little bit of a hike. That's like an hour and a half. I can't math that well. I just find like for every like kilometers a minute, I judge like like 50 kilometers don't sound like it's like 50 minutes ish. Right. <laughs> I almost failed grade nine applied math. That's, so that's, I'm, my, that's my thingy for like, if I'm going to 
drive so far, so I'm guesstimating how far away it is for time-wise. You are currently speaking to a <laughs> board of nothingness at this point in okay. time. <laughs> Great. I appreciate your education. See, we're all learning something here at Weird Distractions. Mm. I love it for all of us. <laughs> In terms of weather, it seems to experience typical Canadian seasons, with winters being documented from minus 10 degrees Celsius to minus 23 degrees Celsius. Well, it's warmer than I thought it was, actually. Right. Uh, and summers being fairly mild. At some point, those residing on the island were provided with the Christian Bible, the New Testament to be exact. From what I gather, the Bible had even been translated into Inuit for those on the island. The reason why I'm mentioning the Bible is because today's story does have its toes dipped in religion, which we're about to get into. Mm. So the next section of my notes is called the 1940s and Jesus. Oh God. <laughs> okay. Yes. Just so you're aware of what we're about to get into. So now that we've obviously talked about the background history of the location, kind of got a little bit more acquainted to Belcher Islands, because once again, Christy and I are both Canadian. We've never heard of Belcher Islands before. I don't even remember. We live in Canada. We live in Canada. How sad. But it's odd. Pathetic. Anyways, thank you, Ontario education system. Moving on. <laughs> I say I liked geography class for coloring the, the, the map. That was about it. But did you ever color the Belcher Islands? That's the thing. I can't... Probably color them in and have no idea what they were. Probably. That's usually how it goes. Mm -hmm. Anyways. So our journey takes us back to the 1940s, as mentioned. Specifically, 1940 and 1941, where the islands were experiencing a rather harsh winter. Mm -hmm. Extreme cold temperatures were reported, and while the rest of the world world was raging on in World War II, the islands were raging a war to try and survive the cold. One of our main characters who was trying to survive is a man by the name of Charlie Oyerak, and I could be mispronouncing that completely. Charlie was 27 years old in the 1940s, and he reportedly had two children, and some accounts vary in terms of whether he was an energetic, caring man, or whether he was a sickly, unlikable dude. So... That's polar opposite, but okay. Yes. Some reports say, oh yeah, he was very energetic. He was compassionate. He was, you know, a real community person. Mm -hmm. And then others were like, oh, he had something to prove because he was so sick and nobody liked him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> very opposite yes. of one another. So take that how you will. What we do know is that Charlie was a shaman, therefore responsible to take part and lead the group's rituals. Mm. As mentioned, the Beltra Islands were being hit with a cold front, which meant that Charlie and the community were struggling to stay optimistic given the cold climate and the responsive dwindling food sources. Because when it's too cold, mm -hmm. you know, animals go into hibernation. Can't get things like traveled up there food-wise. Exactly. And not only that too, but I mean, it's nobody wants to do anything when it's freezing outside. We don't want to go outside. Exactly. So like, it, it makes sense. Um, however, Charlie was assumingly desperate to try and keep the hopes high for the community. So this man just really wanted to make people feel like there was something at the, a light at the end of the tunnel, if you will. In mm. doing this, Charlie and his friend, Peter Sala, reportedly would read the Christian Bible to other villagers while incorporating some of their traditional rituals. So they're kind of sprinkling some Christianity on top of their already Inuit rituals. Okay, trying to be like a speaker of sorts. Yeah, kind of like a, what's that one motivational speaker that's been around for ages? Big head, I want to say, just like a big dude. Oh, no idea. No idea. Someone's probably screaming it right now at us. Oh, Tony Robbins. Yes, Tony Robbins. Yes. Uh, hopefully he never listens and will track me down and murder me because I said he has a big head. But <laughs> anyways, so yeah, Charlie, I think 
was trying to give like Tony Robbins vibes to the situation, trying to make people more motivated, have hope that things will get better despite the cold. And they did not. Well, it, 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 it took a really weird turn, that's okay. for sure. To the community, Christianity was offering some hope that things may get better through discussions of salvation and more. Kind of a this too shall pass mentality, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, things did not pass. Things, <laughs> things did not pass, they got murdery <laughs> very quick. So in January of 1941, Charlie and Peter had shared that they had news for the community. According to Charlie, he was Jesus Christ and his friend Peter was God and they needed to continue to listen and follow the two in order to survive. So they basically come in hot and heavy and say, look, here's facts. Charlie, yeah, me, mm-hmm, yeah, Jesus Christ. Peter, over there, see him? Yeah, that's God. And y'all need to follow us if you want to survive. If they were reading the Bible that they gave them, translated, they would uh, be like, you guys are crazy. Well, Hopefully. and we'll, we'll get to it because there's some people that are already like, okay, fam, bet. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't, this isn't legit. No. Informing his village of this news, the two men explained that the old spirit of Jesus had transferred into Charlie and therefore made him Jesus. Spirit transfers seem to have a place in the Inuit belief system, where it is essentially believed that one spirit could transfer from one body to another, which I'm sure there's probably a lot more about it that I'm missing, but that's just like a very small settler way of explaining it. So are they picking that aspect of that specifically because we're gonna make them yes. believe them more? That's like, that, not realistic. Yeah, that's my interpretation of this of the case was that they were kind of like, oh, if you don't believe us, you know, like Jesus Christ, his spirit is now in Charlie because of transferring. Mm. So when I read, I was like, well, they're probably trying to use this belief system that they, they already had. Have to make it more believable when people exactly. are still like, hopefully, uh, ex -nay. Regardless, Peter and Charlie announced this news and because it has some ties to previous beliefs, it's assumed that perhaps some of the community members believe the men's statements. It's cold, food sources are low, and now people are being told that there may be more hope because Jesus and God are there in front of them willing to help. Then in late January of 1941, a meteor shower took place during one of Charlie and Peter's rituals. So now we have a meteor shower to deal with on top of everything else. Because it's once again 1941 and Belcher Islands was presumably far from the mainstream news and information from the mainland, this unknown phenomena in the sky allegedly terrified the Belcher Island community. Perhaps some knew what was happening, however some had no idea what was taking place, therefore consider it some kind of spiritual phenomenon. Which is fair, it's 1941, you can't just google these things. No, it was like on Google or internet, Ex especially not up there. Ex well, yeah, exactly, right? Like they're so far from the mainstream news, even the radio. I don't even know if they had radios there. I say even like right now up there, people still don't clean water, so. Well, it is. <laughs> Today's world, so in, yeah. Yeah, in 2022, we have reserves that don't have clean water. Mm -hmm. We have people, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Ooh, that could be a another whole, topic for another day. Yeah, that could be a whole discussion in and of itself. But basically, you have to take in consideration and look from a standpoint where obviously these people are going to be afraid because they have no idea what's going on. And I, I personally think it'd be terrifying to have this happening during a ritual. Yeah, so they're like, oh, this is a sign. This is a sign, yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. While everyone else was freaking out, Charlie allegedly had fallen into a trance-like state, apparently not responding to what was taking place. According to a YouTube video I watched by DD Bomb, which is 
B-A-U-M. When he did come back to reality, he informed the others around him that the Inuit gods had all died and were no longer able to help them. He then, he being Charlie, allegedly proceeded to tie in the meteor shower to a passage in the Bible. I'm not certain which specifically one he tied it to. The YouTube video that I watched by DD Bomb noted it was from like one of the Matthew pathages. Also, side note, I'm not a religion major. Neither am I. I don't know the Bible, I'm sorry. No, I don't know the Bible off by heart. I dated a guy for a year that was the pastor's son. Now pastor. Yeah, now a pastor. I retained nothing from that relationship, religion-wise, I should say. But Regardless, I did a little digging because I was interested. I wanted to know what actual scripture or passage, however you want to call it, from mm -hmm. Matthew could have been applied to this. So I, I did some digging. I did a little research. And so did they, these people believe when he came back from his trance and said this thing that like all the gods are dead? They're yeah. Like, oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Now everyone's just probably, I'm assuming everyone probably freaked out. They're like, oh gosh, Charlie's, Charlie's. The one. The one. So here's what I kind of found that might be in relation, but take it with a grain of salt because this is just me trying to put pieces together of a case that happened in 1940. Yes. So the passages that I found that seems to be the most connected is from Matthew 24, 27, which reads, For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Now, what do you think that means, Christy? <laughs> Trying to tie into the meteor shower, like there's the light or something. I don't know. Yes. So Charlie proceeded to inform the community that they were at the beginning of the end of the new Jesus, aka another new Jesus coming. So, <laughs> so another new, okay. Whatever. Yeah. Another one. Oh no. Yeah. Basically, there he was spitting some DJ Khaled statements like another one. So another Jesus is coming. So someone to replace Charlie. Interesting. Yes. So once again, because of the awful winter climate and minimal food sources, the community seemed to take part in these bold statements Charlie was making, allegedly. I think a lot of people were like, okay, well, there's this thing in the sky happening. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if they knew it was a meteor shower. Yeah. They also have really shitty living conditions mm -hmm. on top of a man who's claiming to be Jesus and another man who's claiming to be God. The Jesus man basically said that or went into a trance and now is saying that another Jesus is coming. Mm -hmm. I think if I was in that situation, I'd be like, okay, um, yeah, I guess this is, this is happening <laughs> right now. <laughs> right on brother. This is going down. We're yeah. in it. Very interesting. Yeah, well, I was going to say scary, but yeah, interesting. <laughs> Terrifying. But well, yeah, it's like a one thing, like they're using their views or their beliefs and be like, this is, I want to say this yeah. to make a follow it. People are probably like following it, but also is there anyone else? that's like, no. I don't know. I know we're not a cult-based podcast, but this just reminds me of when we were on our fellow Cultivate Network fam's show, Let's Start a Cult by Josh, mm -hmm. and we were talking about... Scientology. Scientology. <laughs> and basically, the premise of that was that the, the people were trying to get other people into Scientology to... Believe, make them believe that they needed to better themselves, which I think as a society, we all want to better ourselves. We all want to have, mm -hmm. you know, pristine mental health and, you know, be the best version of ourselves we can be. But they use the tie-ins of, well, you're not good enough. You need our help, right? So I think in this situation, Charlie- maybe use what they need yeah. to follow or believe. And you're like, well, this is a little mini call maybe. Well, yeah. And Peter and Charlie are using what everybody is already comfortable with mm -hmm. and dragging them into this situation. We'll yes. call it that for now. 
where they don't really know what else to do, mm -hmm. right? Like they want to get better. They want to be able to survive this winter, the shit winter. Mm -hmm. And you have somebody that's saying, I have the key to get through this. Yeah, they're like, I'm going to follow this person probably. Mm -hmm. Same as Scientology where it's, you know, I have the key to make you a better person. In this situation, it's I have a key, I have the key to survival. Exactly. Exactly. So it's funny how they all kind of intertwine, intertwine, and uh, act the same as one another. Gross. Gross. Anyways, so just gonna give a quick little reminder of that trigger warning I mentioned earlier, especially if you are a dog lover, because it's about to get not great for a couple minutes. So if you need to skip ahead, I do maybe like one to two minutes. Um, but yeah, this next part's not great. So here we go. Here we go. <laughs> With most of the community under his words, Charlie reportedly declared the execution of every sled dog in the community because there was, quote, no need for sled travel at the end of the world, according to a piece written by Kira Frazier for Spine Online. Ooh. So yeah, what are your thoughts on that, Christy? This is depressing. Yeah, very depressing. But let's just keep. Let's just move like forward. I, 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 I don't want to cry. Let's just keep moving forward. So you're like obsessed with dogs, so. I know hey, that was really hard for me to write. Straight <laughs> and say and say to the community. Charlie was their shaman. From my perspective, one could assume that his words may carry some weight, especially given the circumstances. So Charlie reportedly continued his mixture of Christianity and Inuit beliefs, claiming to be Jesus still. Uh, the community was told to practice repentance, which basically means that you confess your sins and seek forgiveness and obviously can be associated with the practice of Christianity. I think it's pretty mm -hmm. common yeah. in Christianity from what the internet has told me. Yes. Like I know what you're talking about, but like we said, we don't know the religion, so I don't. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're smiling and nodding. Like, mm -hmm, yeah, that sounds right. Great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. <laughs> no idea. No idea. Anyways, I'm not sure how this all panned out. However, some in the community maybe felt that the only one who needed to repent was Charlie. In other words, someone smelled bullshit in what Charlie was saying. Finally. I know. My people, the reasoners. The reasoners. So a 15 year old girl named Sarah Applewalk spoke up against Charlie, allegedly stating that not only was he not Jesus, but that Peter was not God. Yes, queen, because the young girl's coming up here being like, bullshit. Yeah, Sarah's a boss bitch. Mm -hmm. I, I love it. So Sarah allegedly accused both men of lying, which as I'm sure most folks listening can imagine, these did not sit well with Charlie nor Peter because you're you're questioning Jesus and God potentially. Basically, <laughs> in, in their mind, yeah. It also apparently didn't sit well with some of the other members in the community either, including Sarah's brother Alec Applewalk. Alec apparently was described as being devoted to Charlie and Peter oh so much so that he proceeded to do the unthinkable to his own sister. Did he murder her? We'll get to it. So according to what I gathered from the YouTube video I watched by DD Bomb again, Alec allegedly grabbed his sister by her hair and began hitting her face with a wooden club. While this is taking place, Charlie and perhaps Peter were allegedly yelling that they needed to figure out whether Sarah was good or wicked. In order to perhaps figure this out themselves, a fellow member had allegedly grabbed a lit portable kerosene burner and put it towards Sarah's face. With the burner lit near Sarah's face, Charlie and Peter declared to the group that she was... Wicked. Satan. Oh. Yeah, they okay. took it like seven we went, Yeah, we jumped. Wicked? No, you're the devil. You're Satan. <laughs> yeah. 
You think you're a little wicked? Mm-mm. Satan. Okay, that's aggressive. Yeah. So she's clearly going to die, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. So Sarah was described as screaming for help and presumably trying to inform her community, including her brother, that this was not true. However, the response was violence towards her. After being brutally beaten, she was dragged out to the snow where a 17-year-old girl named Akinik allegedly began hitting Sarah in the head with the end of a rifle, which ultimately... Killed Sarah, yes. That's aggressive. Very aggressive, and it gets worse. So Akinik was allegedly described as being delighted that she had slain Satan, which I think goes to show the depth of the, the belief that these people had in Charlie and Peter. That's disgusting. I know. However, not everyone in the community, as previously mentioned, was on board even after this situation. Because you know how in some betrayals of cults and, uh, you know, control situations, usually after somebody dies, a more bigger group will be like, okay, you know what, we don't really want to die, so we'll just go ahead and believe whatever this person is saying, even though we don't necessarily believe it. Yeah, there's always like a small fraction potentially that was like, okay, this shit's, shit's real. Yeah. What's going on? Exactly. So even though Sarah unfortunately passed and was brutally murdered, yes, there were still people that were like, nah, fuck Charlie and Peter. They make no like this isn't yes. this isn't real. My people right. who I hopefully don't speak up because I don't want them to get murdered, but we'll see. You might want to stop doing that. <laughs> okay. Because your hopes are going to be crushed. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is a true crime episode, Christy. I told you before we recorded it was going to be it was a massacre. Yes. Yeah. It literally has massacre in the name, Christy. Okay, oh. fine. Okay. Okay. Anyways, so yes, basically there's still some people in the community that still didn't believe Charlie and Peter, despite, you know, Sarah being brutally murdered. Mm-hmm. A 47-year-old man by the name of Kitoyak was allegedly so stunned by what happened, he decided to confront Charlie and Peter. Mm-hmm. In this confrontation, Kitoyak told the two men that their preaching needed to stop. He's like, you know what? I hear where you're coming from. I liked how you brought in some hope but you need to tone it down, like 12 notches. This I'm is, not here for it. I'm not here for He didn't actually say that. I'm, we're just yes. improving. But still, that, that's how I would like for that. It to go down. Yeah. Yes. So it seemed as though Charlie and Peter weren't having any kind of naysayers amongst them as they proceed to reportedly declare Kitoyak as the devil. So in some, anyone that goes against what Peter and Charlie have to say or their beliefs is deemed. die. Well, yeah, and they're deemed the devil, which is extreme. That's so everybody's the devil. I thought there was one devil. I know it's kind of. I don't. You're know. not following true beliefs, there, boys. I know, unless unless they also think that similar to Jesus, the devil can like keep going. Yeah, I mean that would make. I don't know. That I, makes sense that like the person they think originally is the devil, and then they kill them. Yeah, they could go on. Yes. Yeah. But who's to say? We shall see. So violence once again broke out, shockingly. However, luckily, Kay Toyak was able to get away from the scene and make it back to his home. He was safe until the following morning when Charlie, Peter, and another member named Adlikok decided to follow up with Kitoyak at his home. When the group arrived at the home of Kitoyak, it's been documented that they began tormenting him. However, what happened next seems to be up for debate given the documentation that I was you know, stumbling upon, basically. So there have been claims that Charlie, Peter, and the other member had entered into Kitoyak's home, where they proceeded to beat him with a harpoon before shooting him twice in the head. What? Uh, Yeah. It's... Yeah, zero to 100 real fucking quick. Yeah, just break in, you're dead. Yeah. Well, let's beat you with a harpoon. I mean, I, I get why they probably had it, but still. 
It's not a, a weapon that you hear often these days. No, but something out of there, yes. Yes. Other sources allegedly claim that the men stayed outside, where Peter threw the harpoon through one of Kitoyak's windows, and then two shots were fired from Adlercock. At Kitoyak. Yes. At, uh, at Kitoyak. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So regardless of what took place, one thing is for certain. Kitoyak was dead after confronting Charlie and Peter. So currently our death count is at two, being that of Sarah and Kitoyak. Two weeks after these disturbing events take place, the new group led by Charlie and Peter had decided to migrate to another part of the island to try and take in another family. Charlie had informed this new family that he was, in fact, Jesus Christ, and continued to spread the other information that he had been saying up until this point. So, spitting facts right off the hop, he says. Basically. In what I'm going to call perhaps desperation, given the fact that there was next to no food due to the winter climate, this new family hopped on board with Charlie and the others. However, there was one member of the family that refused to join, being that of 26-year-old Alec Ekpuk. And yes, for those keeping track, this is our second Alec in the story, and no, they are not the same. The first Alec was Sarah's brother. This is a whole new Alec. Oh, because we need another one. Great. Yes, another one. Katie J. Gellard. Yeah. So from what I gathered from watching the YouTube video by D.D. Baum, Alec was allegedly fairly skeptical of Charlie and Peter's shtick, which, fair, fair, same, same. I am too. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> I'm not sure if he had confronted Charlie or what, but what is known is that on February 9th, 1941, Alec and Charlie allegedly had a verbal argument, which turned violent really quick. I mean, we're talking about Charlie here, so. Yeah, shocker. He's just yeah. probably killing everybody. You're gonna have else to kill for him. Yeah. It's been explained in the YouTube video by DD Bomb that Alec reportedly turned away from Charlie to walk away from him, which, I mean, good idea. We walk away from the situation, because. Yeah, Char eat out of there. Yeah, eat yourself out of there. But. But. Alec walking away supposedly pissed Charlie off, who used his usual response. He declared Alec as being the Satan. devil. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Shocker. Shocker. Charlie ordered another member of the group, Quarak, to shoot Alec in the back, in which supposedly Quarak did what he was directed to do. Here's a weird twist. Alec was Quarak's son-in-law. Why do I know that's related as one of family members? No. That's how I think I how deep the ties go. Well, yeah, belief, I should say. yeah, it, that's Pretty. that's how I think invested these people were in Charlie and Peter because they really felt and thought they were the devil, apparently. Yeah, anything killed the family. Yeah, anything that Charlie and Peter said basically to them was Bible, which is in the situation I get it, but on the outside looking in, it's like oh no, this just reads bad news bears all over it. Yes, it does. So at this point, we now have three confirmed human deaths, and unfortunately, we're not even close to being done on the tragic train. As mentioned earlier, Charlie had declared there was no further need of the sled dogs, in which he had killed them all. At some point after this, and perhaps after the other senseless murders, Peter allegedly seemed as though he didn't necessarily believe everything that Charlie, aka the new Jesus Christ, was saying. So I got kind of confused because basically what I gathered from one source was that the first thing that Charlie did kind of once he, I think, maybe recognized that people were believing him yes. was to have the sled dogs killed. But then in other store, like other accounts claim that this happened later on 
And then after this happened, Peter started getting kind of misgivings towards Charlie. So I don't know if there was just multiple killings of sled dogs happening or what the situation was. And what was the point of like killing the sled dogs to begin with? Basically. Well, I think the point of killing the sled dogs in general was because Charlie said, well, the world's going to end. There's a new Jesus coming. Mm -hmm. We don't need sled dogs anymore. Okay. So that, that was his reasoning behind it. Okay. Yeah, so I... No reason to kill the puppies, okay. Basically not a very good reason. There's never a good reason. No. But what I want to kind of highlight in this is that despite whenever, you know, the sled dogs were murdered and when the people were murdered, I think all the murders adding up started weighing heavy on Peter. That's good. Which is good. Question your partner. Question your partner, Peter. Mm-hmm. God. Yeah. So Peter wouldn't reportedly oppose Charlie outwardly. However, others apparently picked up on some weakened faith by Peter, aka God. Is he Satan? <laughs> Honestly, I think if he would have confronted Charlie, that would have been an interesting conversation. Yeah. I am God, I am now Satan. Yeah. Plot twist. <laughs> this is where a man by the name of Ernest Riddle comes into the story and the demise of Charlie's self-declared reign. So Ernest was apparently a manager of the Hudson Bay outpost on the Belcher Islands. According to the piece written by Kira Frazier, Ernest allegedly had asked Peter to guide him via dog sled to a Hudson's Bay Co. post at Great Whale River, which is located near Nunavik, Quebec. How could they have to kill all the dogs? Well, yeah, which maybe this is where Peter's like, mm, Charlie's decision-making, not the greatest mm-hmm. in the long scheme of things. Yes. So in a direct quote from the writings of Kier Fraser on the Spine online website, quote, while away, Sala, being Peter, mm-hmm. confided in a Métis man by the name of Harold Ungarden, or Ungarden, who was well known in the local Inuit community about the killings on the island. Ungarden, or Ungarden, depending on how you want to pronounce it, and okay. my apologies, quickly notified Rydell, who contacted the RCMP, being the Royal Canadian Mountain Police. Yes. Yeah. So, although this may sound like a glimmer of hope, we still have some more tragedy to discuss. Oh, great. So I thought we were done. Yeah. No. Oh. Mm-hmm. The killing was done. Oh, no, 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 no. Mm, honey, sweetie, no. No, no, <laughs> no. So, unfortunately, due to the unstable weather, the remote location of the islands themselves... They couldn't and, get there. Yeah, Christy, they couldn't get there. They also needed an aircraft to get there. So, the RCMP were kind of in this weird limbo of, we need to get there, but we kind of can't get there. Hmm. which is unfortunate for everybody involved. So they wouldn't actually make it to the islands until April of 1941. We will circle back to when they show up, but we have to kind of talk about what happens before they show up. Well, because apparently more is going to happen, apparently. Yes. So focusing now on the island in March, things are kind of escalating. Mm -hmm. With Peter being away, Charlie's then 25-year-old sister, Nina, had allegedly declared that the apocalypse had arrived and the new, new Jesus was coming. So Charlie's replacement. Okay. (laughs) Some sources claim that Nina allegedly stated that she was the sister Mary and that the group needed to work. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. But she basically was like, yeah, I'm the sister Mary. And now you need to not only worship Charlie and Peter, but you also need to worship me. Yes. Questionable. So the group followers, including men, women, and children, were allegedly led out onto the water by Mina. So Mina, I don't know if this was all taking place in one day or what have you. The details are kind of spotty. But Mina basically convinces the entire community that's following them Mm -hmm. 
that they need to go to the water, which was covered in ice. And she ordered for everybody to strip naked because they were about to meet their savior, AKA the new, new Jesus. Okay. So whether- Is Peter and Charlie there for this? So uh, Peter's not there. Charlie is. And he's okay with this? Apparently. Okay. No one, I did not read Charlie having any misgivings towards us. Cause he's being replaced. So why would you let this happen? But okay. But he's also probably like hev- so heavily into this thought process that he's, he's maybe- like, yeah, follow her. Yeah. The new, new Jesus is coming. Mm-hmm. My job here is done, maybe. I don't know. Who's to say? But weather-wise, this is where things get really not great. Yes. Weather-wise, it was a whopping minus 30 degrees Celsius and- So instant frostbite or death. Yes. Some sources do say it was minus 20, but regardless, it was minus really fucking cold out Celsius. End of discussion. <laughs> <laughs> so- According to the American Boating website in a direct quote, in water temperatures from 70 to 80 degrees, exhaustion or unconsciousness can set within three to 12 hours and between 60 to 70 degrees, two to seven hours, and in water from 50 to 60 degrees, you could be unconscious in one to two hours. Wait, so are they in the water or just on the ice? So this is like in the water and in the ice. Like they're making their way on the ice and then into the water. Okay. Yeah. So because what the information I just gave you is from an American website, and in Canada we use Celsius, aka the most supreme way to tell temperature, (laughs) I converted 50 Fahrenheit to Celsius, which is 10 degrees. Meaning, if it was minus 30 degrees Celsius outside, who knows how cold those waters would have been. We don't know the water temperature, but we know it was minus 30, between minus 20 to minus 30 out that day. Jesus. Jesus is right. (laughs) New, Literally. New, new Jesus. Yes. If, if you will. But yeah, it. she was a little bit cold. Yeah, so they're like all dying of hypothermia instantly, probably. Yeah, basically, yeah. Some people were going into the water. They're like, yeah, Mina, let's go swimming. Let's meet new, new Jesus. And other people were like, nah. It's like a polar dip. Yeah. Other people were like, nah, you know what? I think this is where I draw the line. This yeah. is where I say good day. No. Good day and goodbye. Goodbye. You have some people going into the water and then the other people that aren't going into the water are peacing the fuck out and going home. Goodbye. Yeah. They're going to the safety of their home and away from the situation. Unfortunately, not everyone kind of had that realization that maybe this wasn't a good idea. Mm -hmm. According to the writings of Kira Frazier on the Spine online website, six members would die from the winter exposure. Mina's mother and sister both died, along with four children, which one of them was Peter's, who was not there at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not a good situation. Yeah, so I don't know if Charlie and Mina also came to the wall. Like, I don't know... It wasn't very clear in the resources I read or watched or listened to that they went into the water. It was all, to me, the way I visualized it was that they were telling people to go into the water, but I don't mm-hmm. actually think that they went to the water or if they did, they obviously survived. Yeah. And I'm also questioning that. So Nina's telling them all to go into the water, but like you might kill them all and mm-hmm. you're the ones that are going in or you're like your deepest followers. So you're trying to kill all your followers. It's very confusing. So on April 6, 1941, the RCMP went to the island via aircraft. And after exploring the island by dog sled, they discovered frozen bloody bodies while, you know, beginning to interview witnesses, according to the Morton's Musings website. With each piece of information, a more horrid and terrible story started to unfold. Come April 16th, the police had reportedly departed from Belchers with three new passengers on board. Charlie, Nina, and one follower named 
Adlecock. The group would be charged of murder and the trial would be held back on Belcher Islands. From the Morton's Musings website, here is a more of a breakdown of kind of like the legalities of the whole situation. So in total, there were actually seven accused. Alec Appawak and Ikenik jointly charged with the murder of Sarah. Peter Sala and Alakok jointly charged with the murder of Kitoyak. Charlie and Korak each charged with the murder of Alec Ekpuk. Okay. So Mina had been charged with murdering one of the children, end quote. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. So the trial seemed to paint a picture of how different the two societies were, being Belcher Islands and kind of the rest of Canada. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but the court acknowledged or at least shine a light on the fact that those residing on Belcher Islands were experiencing an intense cold front and lack of stable food supply. Because of this, it seemed as though the punishments provided to the previously mentioned groups were kind of handed out based on the circumstances. So for example, they weren't, I don't want to say they were super harsh, because I think it could have been a lot harsher if it was a different situation. They're just trying to make a point. They're trying to make a point, you know, like this group of people were really, I don't want to say going through it, but they kind of were. I mean, they were dealing with extreme winter weather, lowered food supply, no hope, basically. So when someone comes in and gives you some kind of thing to believe in, you're like, oh, yes, this person will save us, potentially. Exactly. So I think because of that, they kind of took it with a compassionate lens, so Mm -hmm. to speak. So for the murder of Sarah, Alec was acquitted, and Akinik was found not guilty due to temporary insanity. For the murders of Kitoyak and Alec, the one who was murdered by his father-in-law, Peter, Adlecock, Charlie, and Korak were found guilty of manslaughter. Nina was not found criminally responsible and deemed unfit to stand trial. I'm annoyed. Yeah. Tell me, tell us why you're annoyed. I get the whole, the few people that were like kind of being in control, the whole like mental state with them, but mm-hmm. then the people that were causing it are like, no, they're fine. It's like, no, like, you know, you were like, tell them to do shit. Yeah. I think... It's, it's hard to say without actually seeing, like, any kind of... Yeah, you don't know the situation. You yeah. weren't living it, but it's, I can still be judgy. But still, like, you know, it'd be interesting to know what their kind of mental capacity was assessed. Like, what they were assessed for, right? Because yeah. I think I had read somewhere that Nina had always struggled with mental health. It wasn't super documented, but I remember in one of the websites, I think it was Morton's Musings, where uh, Nina, it was documented that she had kind of always struggled with mental health and this kind of exacerbated it a little bit, kind of lit a fire under it, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I agree with you. I, I think... It's more I feel like that's just the top ones that were like the main controllers mm-hmm. should have had a more point to it. Yeah, exactly. So Charlie and Peter were probably sentenced to two years imprisonment and Adlecock was sentenced to one. Nina and Akinik were, according to the Morton's Musings website, ordered to indefinite custody, which I think means that they're more than likely sentenced to like a mental health facility of sorts mm-hmm. for the rest of their lives. Gotcha. The group charged and found guilty were sent to serve time at Moose Factory in Ontario, which is in the northern part of the province and located near Moosonee. I had such a hard time finding a jail in Moose Factory. I don't know if it was just one that existed at that time, it doesn't exist anymore, but I tried Googling it and I could not find any information whatsoever. Gotcha. I've also never heard of moose factory in ontario so that goes to show how much of ontario i, I feel like i like thought i've heard of it but like as a restaurant name or something are you thinking moose winooskis maybe <laughs> <laughs> i mean same or like something like the chocolate factory something i don't know something, <laughs> something along those lines 
surprised. I didn't think it was a place. Okay, well, I think we should probably wrap this up because you're clearly hungry again. <laughs> so Charlie reportedly died in May of 1942 of tuberculosis, and apparently by the fall of 1942, the remainder of the group were freed. However, they were freed under the condition that they never returned back to the Belcher Islands. So they were... For the best. Yeah, for the best. They were banned for life. So now to kind of summarize this case. This is a whirlwind. It's, a, it's been a whirlwind. So a lot of times when we discuss or look into Canadian crimes, we often hear the same cases being tossed around, which is fine, but I think there's room to discuss others as well. I mean, I think I've heard the story of the Ken and Barbie killers about a gajillion times when it comes to true crime Canadian cases. So uh, Paul Bernardo, Ber- I can't even say his name, Paul Bernardo mm-hmm. and Carla Hamuka. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But yeah, you hear those stories a lot. However, I think the case of the Belcher Island Massacre for me isn't kind of one of the typical ones discussed when it comes to Canadian true crime. I mean, I've never heard of it before until I don't even know how it came up. I, I don't know if I heard it somewhere else or I saw it online or what, but as soon as I kind of saw the name, I thought, well, that's weird. I've never, I don't, where are the Belch Islands? And it's like, plot twist, it's in your country. You, <laughs> it's it, in Canada. Yeah, you ignorant fuck. fuck. <laughs> you have, and me, I'm like, I learned about it today, sorry. Yeah, Christy's like, I'm definitely learning something from today's episode. So regardless, I think that hopefully after listening to this case, maybe some people will try and educate themselves more about Belch Islands, maybe about this unfortunate massacre that took place, and just in general, more, maybe more about the Inuit culture and how, you know, they, they live they're secluded and someone can go and take advantage of them without people exactly. even knowing really exactly exactly be a little too crazy exactly i also want to touch base on the fact that you know this case kind of shows how a community so detached from the rest of the country by geography and by limited social contact can really kind of go unnoticed until it's too late mm-hmm. which i mean look how quick things escalated in this situation it went really really fast in terms of kind of that uh, downward spiral. Yeah, it was like they all believed, and then it was like, okay, if you don't, you are going to die. Yeah, if you don't, you're Satan, and this is this is the way of life now, right? Yes. When humans are kind of pushed to the brink of desperation, dealing with intense weather or lack of food, it just kind of, to me, kind of sheds a light on how quick things can kind of be unrailed from previous ways of dealing with certain situations, right? Yeah, you're just like mentally not there, whether it's like starvation or something else going on. It's like you're just not focused as much. Exactly, exactly. And that is the end of my case. This this episode, the Belcher Islands Massacre. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. <laughs> I'm going to quickly shout out my resources and then Christy, you can do your spiel at the very end. Yes. So thank you to the Wikipedia page for their, well, page on the Belcher Islands. Thank you to Britannica and specifically the editors of Encyclopedia for their page on the Belcher Islands. Thank you to the YouTube video called The Belcher Islands Massacre Solved, uploaded by user DDBaum, which is B-A-U-M, which was uploaded to YouTube on November 4th, 2021. Thank you to the Morton's Musings website, 
the Open Bible website, the Spine Online article, The Coldest Winter by Kira Frazier, which I apologize, Kira, if I'm pronouncing your name wrong, but that was written for the Algonquin College School of Media and Design. A big old shout out to the McLean's article, Revisiting a Grizzly Mass Murder in Canada's North by Mike Doherty on January 5th, 2017. And lastly, but absolutely could not have done this episode without this information from the American Boating website, which the link will be in today's show notes if you want to go check it out. Fabulous. Yeah, so Christy, it's your turn, my friend. Tell us... Spit facts. Yeah, spit facts. Tell us about the new, new Jesus, but don't actually. Yeah, so you can find our, our podcast on many different platforms if you're listening to us. Mm-hmm. We are on Spotify and Apple. We would love you to go on, give a rating, give a review. That would be lovely. Shine us with some stars. That would be greatly appreciated. Yes. Also, good pods, all those other things. Just if you find a platform, you search for us, you'll probably be able to find us. And if you can't, let us know. We'd be more than happy to help you. Yes. We're also on the Oracle Network and on Cultivate Network. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. Your girls are with two families now. And we're loving it. Go blazes. Yes. So thank you to the Oracle Network and the Cultivate Network for supporting our little weird show. Love it. Also thank you to our patrons, Tom, Bailey, Lynn, John, Angela, Alicia, Shadow, and Sissy for supporting our show. Thank you so much. We hope you're enjoying all that extra bonus content, early access, and stickers. Most of you have already gotten stickers, but you know what? For the ones that are waiting, they're coming. Please don't worry about it. (laughs) Yes, if you're looking at Patreon, we have two tiers. If you're not already on there, bonus content, stickers, thank you cards, extra stuff. Alex's little mini travel blog. All those goodies are on there if you want to check it out. Again, the two tiers, different prices, look it up. Ooh, if you're on Patreon too, I just have to give a quick little teaser because we're gonna have not one, not two, but three mystery guests come on for Weird Spam this month. Yeah, stay tuned, guess who? Maybe you know them, maybe you don't, but you're gonna know them. And you can get our Weird Spam series, which is our monthly bonus episodes for our Here for the Weird tier, which is $5 USD a month. And essentially that's a series where we read all the junk mail we get. And make it funny. And make it funny, which it's not really hard when you (laughs) you see the emails we get. So definitely check that out. That's over on Patreon. And if you want to support the show, but maybe you don't want to sign up for a subscription, you can always check us out on Redbubble for merchandise and on Buy Me A Coffee. Yes, a little sprinkle of some support on those two other platforms. Yes. Now, Christy... What would you recommend for a listener who has their own weird encounters? Maybe they've went to a haunted place. Maybe they've been to the Beltre Islands. Maybe they have experienced a poltergeist or has a family member in some weird pyramid scheme that they want to talk about. How would they share those tales with us? I'm glad you asked because we have something called listener distraction episodes. That's awesome. Tell us more about that. (laughs) Yes. So we are always looking for more stories if you have them. Yes. And we are looking to share more stories with you. We have the one out. It was on on June 13th, I believe it was. 2021. (laughs) It's been a while. It's been a minute. But we want to share more stories. If you have encounters, you have a dream, you have no one, someone else's story, Mm -hmm. you want to send an anonymous story. 
please email it to us to weirddistractionspodcast at outlook.com. We want to share your content and make it more content for you to listen to on our podcast and share all your goodiness. Exactly. And for those that have sent in their stories, just know that we are going to be scheduling when we're recording the next one. So keep your eyes peeled, your ears open, and your thumbs of following us along on our social media platforms, which is Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter. You can find us at Weird Distractions Podcast or on Twitter. We are at Weird Distract I One. But it's coming. It's coming. Mm, Yes. And I think that's it for the facts. The facts. Yes. For those wondering and getting tired of hearing my voice, Christy usually has a binder that she reads all of this information from. And I think as we're recording, she's realized (laughs) that she's forgot said binder. It's fine. We made it work. We made it work. You know what? We make shit work. Because you know what? If you need instruction, we got you. Bye. Bye. Oh my God. That was so foreign. Because I said it. Yeah. Leave the Lights On is a true crime podcast with a paranormal twist. Join creator Eliza and her co-host as they explore terrifying true stories and chilling crimes. Growing up, Eliza had an odd obsession with the darkest desires of humanity and an insatiable curiosity about the afterlife. Now, each week, Eliza brings you tales that will make you want to lock your doors, hide in your room, and of course, leave the lights on. Available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.